I want to get right into my message today. I'm, uh, Pastor Reagan did such a wonderful job the last few weeks in a series that he was doing. I'd like to kind of tag into that. He talked a lot about our identity, and so I want to talk to you this morning about who or what we really are. And I um, want to use as a text 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. I'll give you a heads up, those of you that are on the screen, those of you that are doing the translating, I'm going to, I'm going to skip over a whole lot this morning because uh, it took me so long in the first service, and I went way over, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave out a lot. So just stay with me, and you'll catch where I am as I move along. But here's my text, 1 Thessalonians 5:23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you wholly or completely. That word sanctify there means to set apart. May the God of peace himself set you apart completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus. Now, this is a benediction to the, to the book of 1 Thessalonians. Paul is writing a letter to the church at Thessalonica. He's given a lot of good instruction, but he comes down to the end and he, he basically prays forth this benediction on these people. They're close to him. Uh, Paul's ministered to them, perhaps one, most of them to the Lord, I don't know. But uh, he's very close to these folks, close enough that he felt inspired to write a letter to them. In fact, two letters. And the main topic of these two books, they're known as the books of the Advent because he talks a lot about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he wants to make sure that they know how to be prepared. Now, there's a lot of preaching in verses 14 all the way down to my text, 14 through 22, that I'm tempted to go back and get a hold of. But I'll save that for another day because Paul gives some tremendous instruction here. But I want to key in on this benediction, this blessing, this prayer that he prays over them. He prays, I want the Lord to sanctify you, to set you apart, to, to bless you completely, spirit, soul, and body. Um, I'm, I'm going to say this, and then I want you to repeat it after me a couple times, because I want you to get this, uh, because it's the foundation of everything I'm going to share for the next few minutes. I am a spirit, I have a soul, and I live in a body. Will you say that with me? I am a spirit, I have a soul, I live in a body. Let's say it again. I am a spirit, I have a soul, and I live in a body. Every one of us, without exception, we are tripart beings. We've been made in the image of God, and we are spirit soul and body and that's why paul prays over all three of these and gives a blessing uh, because he knows that to bless the entire person the whole man he has to he has to bless spirit soul and body so the first thing i want to do is just give you a definition of these three spirit soul and body what is it it's very elementary but i want you to get it first of all i said that we are a spirit you are a spirit, first and foremost. You are a spirit. The, the word spirit here in the New Testament comes from a Greek word, pneuma, which means breath or wind. In other words, 
the, the, the life that we breathe. You know, you can go without food a long time. Most of us don't try that, but you can. You can go without food a long time. You can go without water for several days. But you can't go without breath very long at all. Uh, you quit breathing, and you know what we say? We say you're dead. And uh, it, it, that's, that's fact. So I take you back to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. God formed man. He had the body complete. But the body was lifeless until the breath of God entered into him. He breathed into him. He became a spirit man. That's where the life is. And uh, if you want to challenge that, um, I don't want to be morbid here, but go to a funeral home and check out a dead body. You'll discover that they have eyes, but they can't see. They have ears, but they can't hear. They have a tongue, but they can't speak. The reason for that is because the spirit man has left. God breathed into man the breath of life. He became a living being. That's the spirit man. That is the life that is in you. And he made us that way. And by the way, it is with the spirit that we are God conscious or that we commune with God. The spirit communes with God. Proverbs 20 and 27 says, the spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord searching all the inner depths of his heart. In other words, he's using something here to illustrate, like lighting a candle. The, 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 life, the candle is lifeless and basically useless until it is lit. And when it's lit, it begins to give light and does its, the purpose of its being. And, and so what the writer of Proverbs, the wise man who wrote the proverb is saying, it's the same way with man. God communes with our spirit. It's when God touches our spirit that we become alive. In fact, when Adam sinned and God had told him that the day that he ate of that fruit that was forbidden, he would surely die. It was the spirit man that died that day. His spirit was dead. He continued to walk around in his flesh. He continued to, uh, to have the soulish part of him activated here. But for all intent and purpose, now when I say death here, I'm not talking about falling over and ceasing to be, but I'm talking about he no longer had the life, the God consciousness, awareness of the will of God, the purpose of God, the mysteries of God, the communion of God. None of that was functioning with him anymore. He was separated, as it were, from God. That was the death of that spirit man. And so that's, how we, uh, that's where we get our God consciousness. That's how we commune with God. Now let me take you to the soul. There's a Greek word in the New Testament that's translated into the English soul, and that word is suke. We get the word psyche or psychology uh, from this particular word. It is that immaterial, invisible part of man with which we are self-conscious. The spirit of man gives us our God consciousness. The soulish part of man, the soul is made up of mind, will, and emotions. It's with the soulish part of man that we become self-conscious or aware of ourself. It's where our decisions is made. 
our will, our choices, all of these things in the soulish part of man. That's, that's what uh, abides there. And then there's the body. And the Greek word for that is soma. There's another one, sarx, which refers basically to flesh. But soma talks about the body. This is the material part of body. This is a, a man. This is the physical part of man. And this is how we're uh, aware of our environment. We're environmentally conscious through our body. Remember, our spirit makes us God conscious. Our soul makes us self-conscious. Our body makes us environmentally conscious. That's how I know that you guys are out here this morning is because I can see. Uh, I, I know this is a table this morning because I not only can see it, I can, I can touch it, and I, 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 I can sense what this is. I, my body connects with my environment. That's how uh, through the five senses uh, we commune with the environment around us. And all three of these are very important. Paul does not separate any of these out. Now, there's a lot of false doctrine going around today that tries to separate those out. And they say, well, you, you've been born again. You're saved. You're, you're going to heaven no matter how you live. You, your body may function a different. No, 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 no. No, no, no. God's after the whole person, all of us. Amen? He's not trying to separate us and fragment us into different sections. And, and, he wants, and Paul, Paul is praying this in this benediction. He wants the whole man, spirit, soul, and body to be sanctified and set apart with the, the Lord. That's how we become victorious over the world, the flesh, and the devil. That's how we walk in victory and serve God with peace. I want to tell you, if that were possible, if the other were possible, you wouldn't even want to try to live that way. You're talking about miserable. And those are the people that I meet are miserable. They, they want to be born again. They want fire insurance. They don't want to go to hell. They want to go to heaven when they die. But they don't want to serve God. They don't want to walk with God. They don't want to, you know, they don't want to uh, do what the Word of God says because they've got their own agenda. That they, that's miserable. You're straddling the fence. Get on one side or the other, for goodness sakes. And I would challenge you to get on the good side. In fact, when God spoke to the children of Israel way back about the time of the death of Moses, he said, I've set before you life and death. I've set before you good things and evil things. And then just in case they weren't smart enough to make the right decision, he said, choose life, for goodness sakes, choose life. And I want to tell you, I can testify this morning, and so could a whole lot of people in this congregation testify that the only way to live is sold out to God. When you serve him spirit, soul, and body, you'll find what fullness of joy is all about in serving the Lord. That's the way God wants you to live. Well, let's look at these three this morning. Um, the second point of my message is demonstration. And I, I, I want to demonstrate how we as a tripart being can live or do live in this world. First of all, now, there's a number of ways, there's at least six different ways that you can take these three, spirit, soul, and body, and move them around. And you, some of you may remember many years ago, I brought an easel out here, and I had spirit, soul, and body, and I put them in all six different ways and talked to you about those. I, I don't have time for that this morning. I'm going to deal with just three of them because I've got a different 
uh, reason for this message tonight, uh, this morning. I'm not just repeating a message that I preached years ago. I have a different purpose for this altogether, and you'll see it at the end. So I'm going to only look at three of these. One way you can live is with your body in, in control, in dominance over everything else, over your soul and your spirit. So you have, you have body, soul, and spirit. This is modernism, and this is liberalism at its peak. And um, by the way, uh, this road is being paved by higher education. Uh, I want to tell you something. If you're going to send your kids off to a, to a state-supported school, you better pray hard before you do that. That's a serious choice. And you better make sure they're really grounded in their faith. I heard somebody say not long ago, and it's because of what they're experiencing, they said, when you, when you pay your tuition for your kid for a higher education in a state-supported school, you're pretty well buying them a ticket to hell. Now, I know that's a little overdramatic and overstated. I don't, I'm not saying that everybody that goes to a state university is going to hell. But what I am saying is that higher education in this country, for the most part, is presenting exactly what I'm talking about. They are teaching the next generation that your body is the most important part. Be self-aware. Just know yourself. And whatever you feel and whatever feels good, just do it. And, and don't let anybody tell you away with rules. And it started way, way back in the late 60s and the early 70s by an author by the name of Joseph Fletcher. He wrote a book entitled Situation Ethics that has become the text for most of our state-supported institutions today when it comes to ethics and morality. And I should better say ethics and immorality, because that's exactly what Joseph Fletcher was teaching. And here's what, here's what this, if you're, this is what this particular philosophy teaches. First of all, you need to kill the spirit. That's why they took God out of our school system. They don't want your kids to be God-conscious. Because if they become God-conscious, they might start living by this Word. And if they start living by this Word, they might start acting out in a way that would not reach the objective and the agenda of those who are determined to create a whole new world order and bring our nation down to nothing. Uh, God help us today. That's a satanic agenda. That's a satanic agenda. They want to kill the spirit. Second thing this does, it numbs the soul. It gets rid of the Bible. It ridicules and makes fun of the Bible. I can remember very well when situation ethics first started being taught in, in higher education. I was at the University of Indiana majoring in psychology, and my professor of psychology, Dr. Delp, would make fun of the Bible. He was a brilliant man. Brilliant man. His mind was brilliant. He, he, he could take big, huge tech, textbooks and just quote it from memory. He had a photographic mind. He was just a brilliant man. But he made fun of God and made fun of the Bible and just ridiculed it all the time and found things to laugh about. And, and, and young children whose minds are not even fully developed yet are going into school systems and listening to these guys. And they admire these great professors because they're so smart and so brilliant. I want to tell you something. You can be an educated fool. And there's a lot of them out there today. God help us and save us from that. The third thing they want to do, they want to crown the body as king. As I said a while ago, 
do whatever pleases you. I have a psychiatrist friend who told me years ago, he said, Rich, you're not going to believe this now, but 20 years from now you come back and see if I'm not telling you the truth. There is an undercurrent that is building in our culture, and there will come a day in America when there will be people who actually advocate adult child sexual interaction. And we're actually seeing some of that today. Some of that today. It's perverted. It's ungodly. It's sinful. It's straight from the pit of hell. And it's designed to destroy people's lives. Remember, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Not only that, but the, the next issue he talked about, he said that, uh, that eventually, and, and by the way, what he said is coming to pass, he said there will be an effort to totally desensitize us to our gender as to what we are. Did you know that in Lincoln, Nebraska, in the public school system there, teachers can no, no longer refer to boys and girls in their classroom? They can't use that terminology. They can no longer say ladies and gentlemen. If a teacher in Lincoln, Nebraska wants to divide the class with boys and girls, <laughs> that teacher will have to, uh, he'll have to come up with something like uh, um, this group over here are skateboarders and these are bikers, or these like milk and these like juice. They can't say boys and girls. I, how ridiculous can that be? How ridiculous can that be? And yet that's exactly where the, that ends up uh, and, and, and confuses people in their identity to the point that, that uh, Satan can move in and cause all kind of havoc in their lives. I want to tell you, God can set you free from that. I'm not trying to make fun of this or, or, or be um, uh, a hard-nosed, uh, just dogmatic person, but I want to tell you the better way of life is God's way, and God can help you if you're confused about your identity. We're not down on you or against you. We want to help you and bless you and steer you towards the Word of God and what the Word of God says. The third and final way is the... Uh, I'm sorry, the second way, I, I, I just talked about body, soul, and spirit. The second way is for the soul to be in charge of the body and the spirit. This is intellectualism that's gone to seed. This is the age of reason that places nothing above our thinking. It makes our own thinking God. It makes our education God. It denies God and, and, and gives man's reason the highest place above everything. Hence, we have evolution and the crash-bang theories and the survival of the fittest and all of these things that, again, are contrary to the Word of God. Paul said in Romans chapter 1, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And that's exactly what this does. The third and final way is the way of the Bible, and that's to have the spirit in control of the soul, in control of the body. This is the spirit that communes with God directs our thinking, our mind, our will, and emotion. And hence, our mind, will, and emotions are affected by the power and the presence of God's Holy Spirit in our reborn spirit and affects our body and the way we act out and the way we live today in this life. Some time ago, my wife was sharing with me a study that she was doing, and the presenter was uh, giving three levels of love and uh, in the, this particular presentation, the presenter said that 
the lowest level of love is body love. And did you know the thing that, that saddens my heart today in our culture is that that's the only kind of love some people ever know. That's all they ever know is body love. And so they, they're just whatever they're attracted to and whatever that feels good to the flesh, they do. And that's the reason they can't develop relationships that are lasting because they're only living for the sensual and living for the lust of the flesh. And the lust of the flesh can never be fully satisfied. And so they always live unsatisfied, unhappy, unfulfilled. And so they try another and they try another or somebody else or something different and something and nothing ever satisfies. It's like smoking a cigarette. When you're done with a cigarette, the only thing that can make you happy again is to smoke another cigarette. There's no lasting pleasure. There's no lasting happiness. That's not how God wants us to live. God has a better way of life than that. Amen. This presenter, as my wife was sharing with me, presented a second level of love, and he called that soulish love. And, and he, he said it, that long-distance relationships often develop greater marriages or have a longer-lasting marriage stat statistic than the body love, because at least in a long-distance long relationship, they're communing, they're talking to one another, they're writing letters, or now they're chatting or, or uh, face, doing FaceTime. And, and so the, the, it's not just the physical that the, that's energizing them. Uh, they're, they're learning about one another. And this will help build a more lasting relationship when you get to know somebody. And then he said the highest level of love is spiritual love. This is where people not only get to know each other and communicate with each other, but they begin to pray for one another. And it's been proven that husbands and wives who pray together have much longer lasting relationships and lives together than those who do not. We begin to care about each other from a spiritual aspect, and we're concerned not only about this life, but about eternity and about what we have together and what we can do together and what kind of legacy we can have. That's the life that God wants for you and for me. So that brings me to my third and final point. And I said I would move along quickly, and I'm trying to do that this morning. And the third and final is declaration. Paul prays a prayer of sanctification. And so can I say to you this morning that God wants you to be sanctified spirit. He wants your soul to be sanctified and he wants your body to be sanctified. In fact, he talks about the body being the temple of the Holy Spirit. We need to take care of those things. I've asked three of our brethren to help me this morning. I'm going to ask you three guys if you'll come to the platform and help me out here. Brother Scott, uh, Brother Frank Scott, Brother Shane Martin, and Brother Wayne Gaines, if you three brethren will come up here on the platform. I, I want to use them to help illustrate I hope it'll help you to see it better, what I'm talking about, spirit, soul, and body. And also to share something with you that I feel like the Lord has given me in revelation from my study of the courts of heaven and how we respond there. All right, Brother Frank, Brother Wayne, if you'll come up here, please. I want you guys to face that wall over there. There you go. I want Brother Frank to represent the spirit. And I want Brother 
Brother Shane to represent the soul, and I want Brother Wayne to represent the body. Now, here's the problem with our culture today. Most of our culture has this in the opposite direction. You guys just turn around, if you will. And what they have, put your hand on his shoulder over there. We have the body controlling the soul. Put your hand over there, if you will. And the soul suppressing the spirit. And that's exactly what I was talking about a while ago with situation ethics and what they're trying to do. Let, let, me, tell you, let me tell you how far they've gone with this, with the situation ethics thing in our culture and in our educational system. Did you know that new math was developed to help promote situation ethics? Did you know that? Yeah. Because when I first learned about it, in the late 60s and early 70s when it was being developed, it was only taught on a university level. But then they moved it down to our high schools. Then they moved it down to our elementary schools. I mean, to our middle schools. And, and they had to try to find out a way to get this into the elementary school. So, hey, don't know, we got to teach our kids math. And so what we do, they came up with this new math. When I was a kid in school, elementary school, two and two was four. Four and four was eight. Five and five was ten. Six and six was twelve. That, those were facts. That's not true anymore. Six and six is twelve only if you're in the ten, base ten system. If, if you've got a base five system, six and six is not twelve. You understand what I'm saying? Because then you would only count 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 20, 21, 20. You see? So 6 and 6 wouldn't equal 12. <laughs> you say, preacher, what's that got to do with situation ethics? That takes our kids from the time they're a little bitty and their minds are just developing and tells them that there's no such things as absolutes. Everything is situational. It's situational ethics being pounded into our kids from a very, very early age. If you don't believe it's true, find you a university student and get in a good discussion with them and see how long it takes them, if you get on ethics or morality, see how long it takes them to tell you that your truth may not be my truth. My truth may be something different than your truth. Well, let me tell you something, church. If your truth and my truth are different, something's wrong with the one of the other or maybe both. Because truth is truth. And if it's truth, it's truth with you and you and you and you and me and everybody else. That's truth. And that's why Jesus said in John 14 and 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. But if you buy into that situational ethics thing, you'll say there are many ways to heaven. And perhaps all of them are okay. And these different religions, they're praying to God, but they may name it something else, but we're all praying to the same God. No, we're not. And let me tell you why this is important. And I, I'm, I am dogmatic here. I'm telling you, church, there is coming a day when every man and every woman is going to stand before a supreme being who is God, who is truth, and we'll all be judged by the same standard. 
we'll all be judged by the same standard. And that's what have we done with Jesus Christ. Now, you guys turn back around, if, if you will, please, because we're not going to go that route at all. I, I want to I show you God's perfect plan for us. He made us as a tripart being, and he made us where we could commune with God through our spirit. Remember I told you a while ago when Adam sinned that his spirit man died. How many of you have been born again? You've been saved. You know you've been born again. Hold your hand up real high. Amen. Praise God. Let me tell you, when you were born again, your spirit man that was dead in trespasses and sin was brought to life. That's why we call it the new birth. There is life, if you've been born again, in your spirit man. And your spirit man, if you will allow him to, will commune with your soul and spirit. And if you do it God's perfect way, eventually it'll reach to the body. Now put those down for just a minute and let me talk about them. The spirit that is now alive and is communing with God if you allow him to. That's why I tell people when you pray in your prayer time, give some time to listen to God. Don't just go in and, and talk. <laughs> Years ago, we had a lady that used to call us every once in a while. She's in glory today, a good woman, but when she'd call, you'd answer the phone. She'd, she'd just go 90 to nothing. Brrr, just say, and when she got finished, she'd say, bye, and hang up. <laughs> you didn't have a conversation with her. You just listened to her. And it was good, and she was trying to, to conserve time. She, she always felt like she was intruding as she talked too long, and so she'd just get right to the point, tell you what she wanted, but that was the end of it, buddy. There was no... There was no conversation. A lot of our prayer life is like that. We just go before God, and here we go. Brrr, here's my needs. Amen. And we're gone. That's not communing with God. Your spirit man that has been reborn has the life of God in it. And if you'll allow, that spirit man desires time with God, desires fellowship with God. And that spirit man will influence. Now you can go ahead. Will influence. Let's stop it right there. They influence this soulish part of you, the mind, the will, and the motion. That spirit man will influence the soulish part of you to read God's Word, to, 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 to line up with God's Word, to get in the Word of God. And, and if you allow the soulish man to feed on the Word of God, eventually he will reach and touch the body, and there will be life here, and the body will start acting out according to the Word of God that's been communing with the Spirit of God, which is what God wants for us all the time. Amen. Now you can put it down, rest a minute. <laughs> I, here, here's, yeah, thank you. Here's what I believe, what I'm, what I'm trying to do now, I want you to think back a few weeks ago when I was talking to you about prayer and how, how we operate in the, in the throne room of God and the courts of heaven. We put it in our case and so forth. I'm sure you have probably wondered this, as I have many times, maybe have asked the question even out loud to others. Why is it some people can seem to get things from God? Let, let's use healing, for example. How can they just get healed so easy? And, and there are other people that just struggle and struggle and struggle. And, and they're good people. You know they're godly people. You know they're serving the Lord. You know they're living for the Lord. You know they're reading the Word of God. And why, what is it? Why does, why does God not do the same for everybody? 
I won't ask for a show of hands, but I'm sure that many of you have asked this kind of question. I've asked it many times myself. When, when I was studying on the courtroom of heaven, and, and I got to studying about bringing this message today, I got to thinking of something. I believe, I believe God gave me some revelation here, and I want to share it with you. When this spirit man is communing with God, and this spirit man reaches out to the soulish man, and the soulish man is responding by getting into the Word of God, but for whatever reason, for whatever reason, the soulish part of us, it could be from poor teaching or maybe some just plain old out heresy that we've been taught, but we grew up with it and we believed it. Or maybe it's just the enemy that's trying to convince you and, and steal who you really are in the Lord, your identity, as Pastor Reagan shared with you last week. Have you ever been praying and the devil make you feel like you're not worthy of that? What are you asking God for? What, what have you done to deserve that? And, and that gets right back to a, a religion of works. And that, if the devil can, get, the devil don't care if you come to church on Sunday, if he can get you to believe that your, your place with God is all about your works. He can keep you down and keep you from being who you really are in the Lord or should be in the Lord if he can get it by works. What have you done to deserve this? That may be one thing. The reason the soulish man has not been able to get the power of the Word to activate in the body could, could, be, could be this teaching. Have you heard this? It's just not God's will to heal everybody. Anybody heard that? We don't understand. God is unsearchable and God is unknown. You just can't know. God has his reasons and, and God makes some people sick and he makes other people well. That's just not true. That's just not true. Let me tell you something. God in his divine power has given us everything we need to be victorious in every area of our life. See, God doesn't have to do things twice. Jesus is not going to come back to this earth and die on the cross again. He doesn't have to do that. He did it one time. The way of salvation is provided for everybody, and there's nobody that calls upon the name of the Lord that's going to be rejected according to the Scripture. Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's a promise. And God has done everything that God needs to do for our salvation. It's done. God did that in everything he created. Go back to the book of Genesis and read when God created the heavens and the earth. Did you ever think about the fact that God never had to come back again and create some more? You know, there was one day that God made all the vegetation. He made the trees. He made the grass and all of that. You know why God didn't have to come back the next season after the grass died and create more grass? Or after lightning hit a tree and killed a tree, come back and create new trees? Because when God created the earth, he put in everything the seed of reproduction 
so it can, and here we are thousands of years later, we still got trees. Trees still die. We still got grass. Grass dies, but more grass comes. Well, God doesn't have to come back and do it again. He's already done it. And so, uh, listen carefully. I, 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 I pray that I'm not misunderstood here this morning. But what we sometimes think is a reluctance of God to answer our prayers is not a reluctance of God at all. God has already given us everything right here that we need, and He doesn't need to do it again. In fact, He's not going to do it again. Everything we need for our salvation, everything we need for our healing, everything we need for our prosperity, everything we need for a good marriage, everything we need to raise our children, every, he's already given it to us right here. And he's not going to do it again. But what happens is this spirit man gets the quickening power to this guy here, the soulish man, and the soulish man is reading the word, but something is blocking the word should produce the right activity in the body. And here's why. Get this scripture and memorize it. John 6, 63. Say that with me. John 6, 63. Go home and memorize it. This is what it says. It is the spirit that quickeneth. That's old King James uh, English. So I'll put it in New King James. It is the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words, this is Jesus speaking, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Say they are life. Say it again. One more time. It does not say that the Word has life in it. It says that the Word is life. So this same life that's in the Spirit, since he's been reborn, he has the life of God, that touches the soul, that's why your soul's saved too. When you die, you're not gonna, your soul's not going one place and your spirit another. Your soul and your spirit will never be parted from each other. They stay together wherever. But when he gets here, this, the, the power, that life, it's up to this soulish part of you. That's where the will is. That's where you make up your mind what you're going to do with it. That, that's where you make your decision. And if, if, if Brother Shane here representing the soul, he reads the Bible here, and he said, he said boy, that is really good. You know, I know God's a healer. I, I, really, I really believe that, but I just, I just don't know if he would do it for me. You know what that is? That's mixing doubt with the Word. And that blocks reaching. Try, try to, see here, he can't, he can't get this to the body because there's doubt. James said, let not that man think that he's going to receive from the Lord because he's mixing it with doubt and unbelief. You, you got to get the soulish part of us has got to get past that for the body to respond and receive that life-giving 
power of the Word of God. I shared this with you some time ago. There was a guy that had, had, a, had gotten a miraculous healing, and he was sharing his testimony of how he was healed. He said, in my spirit, I believe it was the Holy Spirit in my spirit that gave me a scripture, so he's getting it to his soul, gave me a scripture, and he said, I read it, and that scripture declared that I was healed. But he said, I could not get the manifestation of that healing. So he said, I, I just started quoting it all the time. I quoted it every morning, first thing when I got up. I quoted it all day, every time I thought about it. And he said, he said I quoted that verse of Scripture 17,780 times. And when I quoted it, number 17,780, I was healed from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet. And somebody hollered at him and said, why in the world did you quote it 17,780 times? He said, because 17,779 wasn't enough. That one more time, what happened was the life that's now in the Word finally got through all that doubt and that unbelief and that false teaching and those questions and all of that stuff until he finally got it. And when he did, he touched the body. And when he touched the body, the body became alive and responded to the Word of God. Glory to God. Stand with me, please. Thank you, guys. Give these guys a hand. Thank you for helping me this morning. I didn't realize I'd run over that long. Uh, you don't have kids in children's church. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. Uh, the, the point that I want to make to you this morning is simply this. Paul's desire for that church at Thessalonica was that they might be totally set apart to God, spirit, soul, and body. And can I tell you this morning that I can hook on to that, I could tag on to that with the Apostle Paul this morning, and I could shout it from my innermost being because this is exactly how I feel. My desire for new hope this morning is that we might be sanctified spirit, soul, and body. Obviously, I want you to be sanctified in your spirit because I want you to go to heaven. But I want you to, I want you to live victorious. I want, you, I want you soulish, man. I want you to have a desire to get in the Word of God stay in the Word of God till you can put out these old false teachings and all the stuff of the culture that's trying to move us in a different direction away from the Word of God. And even teachings that are coming down the pike in religion today, some of them being preached on pulpits in Christian churches today, saying it's okay, it's all right, you know, no, no, no. This, this is our standard right here. This is it right here. But I also have a desire to see it activated where it hits your body. Praise God. In the first service, Sister Annette 
Humbert was sitting over there. I had her to stand. She was diagnosed with cancer and went through all kind of treatment, bad, bad, bad cancer. And her prognosis was not, not good at all. But she stayed in this book and she quoted it over and over and over. Every time she went for a treatment, she wouldn't let them, she would not let them give her a treatment if they didn't stop and pray with her and agree with the word. She'd give them the word. She said, one of the things God said I could have what I asked for. She said, one of the things I've asked for is that God would not allow any of the side effects from chemotherapy to affect my body. And before every chemo treatment, she made them agree. She said, if you don't agree, I'm going to go home or find me somebody that will agree. She would show them the word and they would, they would have to agree with her on the word and agree with her in prayer. I'm going to take this treatment. It'll kill the cancer cells, but it will not cause me to lose my hair. It will not cause me to be sick. It will not. She said, it will not. She didn't have any of the side effects. They were, they were amazed. They've got, her, they got records of her. I, I know I, I'm, I'm giving you a challenge this morning. I'm not, I'm not just preaching out here. I got one finger pointing out there. I got three pointing back here. I'm fighting for this in my own home. I know God heals. I'm living witness and testimony. I would not be standing here today. A whole team of doctors gave me up and said I could not live. They said my fever had gone so high that I'd never have any brain activity. I'd be a vegetable if I did live. They told my parents, don't even pray that he would live. God healed me completely. I know God heals, and I'm trying to get this through to my wife and my family to the point that we can walk in it until the life of that spirit picks up on the power of the Word and touches the body and gives it life. I don't want to embarrass anybody. I'm saying this out of heart of love this morning. I want to see my brother. George here leap out of that wheelchair along with a lot of other people that need healing today. I want to see it happen. I want to see it happen. I want, I want to see you walk in victory. I want to see our young people. And by the way, we got 50 of them on a retreat this weekend and I miss them this morning. We, we want to see our young people be victorious and stand in the face of this culture and say, I will not give in to that. My body is sanctified. My body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to live according to the Word of God. I want to see victory today. I wish you could feel my heart. God, help us today. I want to see the day when People walk in these doors and encounter the healing power of God because there's so much faith coming up from every man, woman, boy, girl in this house that's 
so sanctified spirit, soul, and body until there'll be miracles and signs and wonders. And, and God will help us to walk so victorious. People will see you on your job and they'll notice a difference in you. And they'll say, where in the world did you come from? Let me tell you. You can tell them. Let me tell you what I know from the Word of God. Let me share this with you. I'll tell you how to, to avoid that divorce that you're headed for. I'll tell you how to avoid that bankruptcy that you're headed for. I'll tell you how to get victory over that struggle that you're having with your children and bring your kids home. I'll teach you how to get into the courtroom of heaven and present your case to the Lord when you line yourself up with the Word of God. And we can walk in victory. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Uh, I, if, if, if you desire this, if you desire to be sanctified, spirit, soul, and body, just as, as a step of faith, just take a step forward. Get as close as you can to the altar, and we'll pray together as we close. Just, just come this way. If that's your desire, if you'd, like, if you'd say, Preacher, I, I'd, like to, I'd like to respond to that today. I'd like for God to sanctify me, Holy Spirit, soul, and body. Just, just move this way, and we're going to pray. God bless you. God bless you as you come. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now let's just raise our hands all over the building. Let's pray that. Father, I give myself to you today. Sanctify me, Holy Spirit, soul, and body. Ask him to do it right now. Ask him to do it right from your heart all over this building. Father, I pray with every man, woman, boy, and girl in this house today that desires. Lord, I pray for those who may not be saved, that, that right now that they'll just surrender to you and invite the Lord. May there be rebirthed all over this place today. Holy Spirit, touch our spirits. Give life. Bring, bring life into us today. Touch our souls today. Sanctify us holy. Sanctify us holy, I pray. Set us apart for service for you. Holy Spirit, live in our bodies today and let the life of the Lord and the power of the Holy Spirit give victory. Heal the sick. Lord, I speak to every sickness and every disease in this place today, and I say, in the name of Jesus, leave. We're the children of God, and this is the children's bread. Healing belongs to us. We receive it today in Jesus' name. Lord, I call children home that are lost. I call them home. I call them home in Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise God. Now give God a great big praise offering. <laughs> hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God.